Psalm 119. I want to remind you of some things. Um, I want you to be in prayer as, as we pray about coming into the Christmas season. Be sure and invite people. Uh, at Christmas time, it's a great time for people to come to church. And so be sure and invite people. And then for the new year, we need to be praying about how we can grow as a church. We have some ideas, some things that we're already beginning to work on. And uh, I'm excited about it. So be in prayer for all of these things. And then just continue to invite, continue to share the messages. How many of you know someone that this morning's message, you think that it would be good for them to hear that? So those are on YouTube, they're on Facebook. Share the messages, share the links. And uh, it's just amazing what God can do through the technology. All right, Psalm 119, let's look at verse 81 again. My soul fainteth for thy salvation. But I hope in thy word. Mine eyes fail for thy word, saying, When wilt thou comfort me? For I am become like a bottle in the smoke, yet do I not forget thy statutes. How many are the days of thy servant? When wilt thou execute judgment on them that persecute me? The proud have digged pits for me, which are not after thy law. Now, this is new for tonight. All thy commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully, help thou me. They had almost consumed me upon the earth, but I forsook not thy precepts. Quicken me after thy loving kindness, so shall I keep the testimony of thy mouth. And so as we said this morning, the psalmist has come to really the low point in his life. This is the dark time for him in this chapter. And this morning we were able to relate it to what's going on in our country politically But then also to, over the last 3,000 years, how many different situations has this passage been able to be applied? And for many of us, you can be going through something, whether it's persecution from your family, whether it's a, a job situation. There are so many different ways that people can be coming after you, and that's exactly what was going on with David, and evil people were coming against the man of God. Now notice what he's able to say in verse 86. All thy commandments are faithful. All thy commandments are faithful. Folks, when we get to the darkest moments of our lives, can we look at God and say, God, I believe that you're faithful. You see, I remember years ago, I read uh, C.S. Lewis's A Grief Observed. And it's a book about when his wife died. And basically... He is assaulting God. And honestly, uh, I didn't like it. I didn't like it because God is good. God is faithful. God is just. God is right. And any bad thing that comes into our lives, we deserve it. Can I get a good hearty amen on that? See, we get this, first of all, We are so entitled and privileged as Americans that for for whatever pain there is, for whatever struggle, for whatever problem, there is an easy societal solution. Now, obviously, there are problems that society can't solve, but our society has tried to remove all of the consequences, all of them. Uh, how, how about uh, President Biden is going to relieve all of the 
the student loans. Now, be honest with you. How many of you hope that your student loans go away? Be honest. Be, you know, like nobody's raising their hands. Thank you, because I would be really mad at you. It, it's, I wouldn't. I don't care what you do with that stuff. You know it would be a bummer? So Lydia pays for half of her own college. I pay for the other half. And people who didn't do that get their debt forgiven. That's crazy. That's just what... It's crazy. So one of the things that we need to remember is that when hard times come into our lives, that is the human condition. And, and we looked at the verse a couple of weeks ago that a man's days are full of trouble. And existence in life has been difficult. There has been pain. How many of you have ever had a toothache? Have you ever had a toothache? And you got it fixed, right? How? I, some, maybe somebody could tell me, how long ago did they start using Novocaine or whatever? Rania, do you know? Not that long ago. I mean, they just put put their foot on your forehead and yank it out with a pair of pliers, and you just, if you make it, you make it. I mean, it is crazy what they used to, how about you get an infection in your foot? Do you know why they called doctors sawbones? Because they'd saw your bones. They'd get somebody to hold you down, and they'd take the saw, He'd spit on it to make sure it's clean and cut your leg off. How many of you praise God that that's not the world that you live in? So we have had much of our trouble uh, alleviated. People would die from bad teeth. They, they, They would die from that. People, so many different things different infections that that would kill people. We don't deal with that anymore. For the most part, pain is cared for. Now, I know there's some of you that are in pain right now. You're saying, well, that's not really true. In general, pain is pretty much alleviated. Now, I do feel terrible for some of you. You have chronic back pain and struggles, and you can't take enough medication to care for it. That's a very real thing, right? But in general, our society has removed many of our problems. We don't have to walk to work. We drive our cars. We, we have air conditioning. We have heat. We, we have food. We have more food than we could ever uh, use. Uh, this past week, Laura and I went to the grocery store. And how many of you have noticed that the shelves are more empty than they used to be? We're learning what it's like to live in the rest of the world. And I don't like it. I don't like it. When I go, there ought to be toilet paper on the shelf. There, there ought to be. There ought to be paper towels. There ought to be Kleenex. There ought to be Clorox. Isn't it interesting that we live in a time where people need to clean and there are no cleaning supplies? What in the world is going on? And so we live in this world right now where some of us are starting to experience societal trouble that we have not experienced in the past. And so many Christians are questioning God at this time. We shouldn't be questioning God. We should be begging God because he is our salvation. He is our hope. Now, now, don't get me wrong. Praise God for pain reliever. 
I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for antibiotics. I'm thankful that we can live in, in a world where we can be healthy and where if you're sick, you go to the doctor, and for the most part, the doctor can tell you what's going on. Praise God for that. And yet, the larger problems that we have in life, we forget to take those things to God. We're always looking for another way out. It's so important that we understand that our salvation only comes from God, our temporal salvation and our eternal salvation. Verse 86, all thy commandments are faithful. Do we believe that all of God's commandments are faithful? And and where do we land on that? Look at... um, Look with me at the end of that verse, and this is kind of the theme for the whole message, for this whole section. All thy commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully, help thou me. They persecute me wrongfully, help thou me. One of my goals in ministry is when the church is attacked from without, that there's no justification for it. So in our interactions with people, in my counseling with people, in the way that we interact with people, in the decisions that we make, the things that we allow and the things that we don't allow, we want to be fair, we want to be equitable, we want to be faithful to God's word, we want to be righteous, we want to be holy, we want to be kind, we want to be loving, we want to be those people that fill in the pits, we don't dig the pits. We want to be the people that pull people out of those pits that we looked at this morning. We don't kick people into them. We want to make sure, and here's the biblical word, we want to be blameless. We want to be the kind of people that when someone brings a railing accusation against us, that even unbelievers say, that's not true. I know them. I know them. That's not true. Some of you public people like Bill Blakely or like our school teachers, like Patrick, people that are... That, that people know who you are because of what you do in your position. You need to police officers and sheriffs. You need, we need to make sure that we live in such a way that if someone brought an accusation, everyone around us would say, Brian would never do that. Wade would never do that. I know Wade. That's not true. I know Patrick. That's probably true. Never ends, does it? He just gave me this beautiful book for Christmas today, and I'm still busting on him. You know the only problem with this book? It's full of Greek and Latin. And my Latin, I'm a little rusty on my Latin. So we're gonna, I'm, I'll have, have Patrick help me with that. It, what the passage says is they, verse 86, they persecute me, what's the word, wrongfully wrongfully. So I've got this thing. If I get pulled over and get a speeding ticket, do you know what I say? It's about time. (laughs) I can't get mad at a guy for giving me a speeding ticket. All the times I've gone over that, young people never do this. All the times I've gone over the speed limit, I deserve to get a ticket the next time I get pulled over. Brian, leave me alone. But it's really important that we understand that if we're persecuted, it it needs to be wrongfully. Are you all with me on this? Let's live in such a way that if they come after us, it has to be something that is not true. And then what we can do, look at what it says. When we've been persecuted wrongfully, we can go to the Lord and say, help thou me. 
Because if they're persecuting you with cause, all you can say is, God, somehow show me mercy. When it's being persecuted wrongfully, you can go to the Lord. You know, the Bible in the New Testament says that when we're persecuted for the Lord's sake, we need to praise God. That we are counted worthy to suffer with our Lord. But the Bible makes it very clear in those same passages that we need to make sure that we don't cause offense to people. And uh, when we suffer for wrongdoing, well, we're supposed to. When we suffer for doing right, that's when God gives us praise, glory. That's when he encourages us. Look at the next verse. Oh, I wanted to read this. This was Spurgeon. Help thou me. This is a golden prayer, as precious as it is short. The words are few, but the meaning is full. God, God's help is our hope. Whoever may hurt us, it matters not so long as the Lord helps us. For if indeed the Lord help us, none can really hurt us. Many a time have these words been groaned out by a troubled saint, for they are such as suit a thousand conditions of need, pain, distress, weakness, and sin. Help, Lord, will be a fitting prayer for youth and age, for labor and suffering, for life and death. Isn't that good? Just help thou me. It's interesting, isn't it? And I know I say that too often, it's interesting. But it is interesting that God does not need our help. We need his. God doesn't need anything. Praise God, that's our Lord. Then look at what it says. Look at verse uh, 87. They had almost consumed me upon the earth, but I forsook not thy precepts. They had almost consumed me upon earth, but I forsook not thy precepts. He was almost gone. But listen, almost is not altogether. And in this text, there's the implication that his enemies had almost defeated him. He was almost done. It's like like the boxing movie, you know, where the guy's on the ground and they're counting. One, two, and it gets to nine and he's pulling up off the ropes and he gets to ten and the music starts. And all of a sudden, this guy that was half dead now gets a burst of energy and defeats Drago or whatever his name. That's kind of what's happening in this text. David's strength was gone. The psalmist's strength was gone. God's strength had only just begun. Isn't that a blessing? Almost is not altogether. Do you see that's what it says? It says, they had almost consumed me upon the earth, but I forsook not thy precepts. What's the answer? When we are out of hope, when we are out of strength, when we feel like we're almost eaten up, they had almost consumed me. What's the answer? I've got to start telling people about Jesus. Remember precepts? Those are those things we're supposed to tell other people. So when I am suffering, when I feel like I'm almost done, I need to tell somebody about the wondrous works of God. Has God delivered us in the past? Then he'll deliver me from this. When I'm in trouble, I need to say, hey, when I was in trouble before, let me tell you what God did. When my friend was in trouble, let me tell you what God did. When my friend was hurt, let me tell you what God did. When my friend was down, let me tell you what God did. Start talking about the wonderful things of God. Start telling people about the truth of God. I've often said uh, when when I talk with others, when I preached at my dad's funeral, Man, it's so hard to preach my mom's funeral than my dad's funeral. 
And you all remember when I came back from my dad's funeral, I got up to the pulpit and I looked at you and I started crying. It was harder to stand up in front of you than it was to preach that funeral because you all love us. But when I preached my dad's funeral, I preached the uh, seven dispensations and the Baptist distinctives because those are the things I had learned from my dad. I I was in a troubled time. I was in a low time. But I was able to talk about the precepts, the things that my father had taught me those things that are the background and the backbone of Grace Baptist Church and were before I came here because it's the the common faith, the faith once delivered to the saints that my father taught me. In that hard time, I was able to talk about the things of the Lord. You know what that did? That helped me. That helped me. How about you? When you're in the hard time, when you are in the dark time, I had a friend, a pastor friend who just had his, uh, he just had his mother's uh, memorial service yesterday, yesterday, the day before. And I, I texted him and I said, you know, we have hope in the Lord and in his resurrection. But the loss of your mom is still heavy. Do you know what you need to do in those moments? Talk to people about the resurrection. It's real. It's true. We're going to see our loved ones again. Those who know Christ, we can see our loved ones again. We need to speak those precepts. They had almost consumed me. But almost is not altogether. Praise God. Spurgeon said, the lions are chained. They can range no farther than our God permits. Have you ever been walking down the street and a big old dog starts running at you? And you're thinking, oh my goodness. And then the chain grabs. And you say, praise God for the chain. You know, when it seems like you're about to be consumed. I'm just telling you. Unless God's finished with you and it's time for you to go home. You're okay. Almost, but not altogether. The psalmist receives the limit, or the psalmist perceives the limit of their power. They could at the utmost only consume him, look at what it says, upon the earth. They can do nothing with his eternity. They cannot touch my eternity. They might take away our freedom. They might take away our vote. They might take away our capitalism. They might take away our private property. They might take away our religious liberty here in the United States, but they cannot touch our eternity. Our heaven is sure. Heaven is real. Jesus Christ's return is sure. He's coming back. We are going to rule and reign with him. They cannot touch that. Praise God. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. It is true. Upon the earth, that's all the power they have. And they can only have that power if God says, okay. Again, Luther, he said, there's a devil, but he's God's devil. He has no power that God does not allow him to have. That doesn't mean that everything he does, God wants him to do. Now look at what it says. But I forsook not thy precepts. But I forsook not thy precepts. If we stick to the precepts, we'll be rescued by the promises. If we stick to the precepts, we'll be rescued by the promises. See, the more that we speak the truth, the more real that truth becomes to us. Now, we're not word of faith people, right? But God's word is powerful. When we speak God's word, it has power. I don't have any power. God's word is all powerful. And it will not return to him again Void. What does that mean? Everything God intends for his word will be accomplished. You know what the good news is? I get to be a part of that. If I speak his word. If I speak his precepts. Then, look, I love this. 
verse 88. Quicken me after thy loving kindness, so shall I keep the testimony of thy mouth. Quicken me. You see, David was almost consumed. He, he was almost overcome. He had avoided the pits, but he was completely empty. He felt worthless. He was like a bottle in the smoke. He, he, he was that deflated balloon. And you know what he prayed God to do? Quicken me. What is quicken? To make alive. To make alive. You have you on your fingernail, the, the part at the bottom, it's called the quick. Why is that? Because the rest of your fingernail is dead. The quick is alive. What happens when you get into that quick? That's when it hurts. Right? Because they can feel, they can feel pain. What, God, what he's praying for here is, God, make me alive. Empower me. Do you know that all true life comes from the life giver? The Bible says that no man has power over his own spirit in the day of death. God determines when and where we live and we die. Remember, Acts chapter 17, he, he determined the times and the bounds of our habitation so that we might seek him. God determined where and when we would be born so that we could know him. And God will quicken you and give you the life that you need. And here's what we know that David didn't know. That life is in Christ. That life is in Christ. That resurrection power. David didn't understand the resurrection from the dead like we understand it. He had no comprehension that the dead in Christ shall rise first. He didn't know anything about that. He didn't know anything about this mortal must put on immortality. He didn't know that it happened in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. He didn't know that there's coming a time where Jesus Christ is going to return. And if we have died, our spirit's going to be with him. But my body is going to rise. And I'm going to have a body that's just like Jesus Christ's body. An immortal body. A body that cannot die. That's what's coming. Quicken thou me. David didn't understand it. We really get to understand what it means to have a new life in Christ. Then look at what it says. Quicken me after thy loving kindness. This Spurgeon said about that word loving kindness. What a blessed word is this. Loving kindness. Take it to pieces and admire its double force of love. Loving kindness. Loving kindness. You know, when sometimes, sometimes when someone is kind, it, is, uh, it, it seems condescending. So when I was in Bible college, a preacher, some of you young people got to hear him at camp, Johnny Pope, um, he got lost on the way to church, so he was late. And the preacher's wife, he said this, and when he got to the pulpit, the preacher's wife said, well, bless your heart. And he said, when someone in the South says, bless your heart, what it means is you're an idiot. <laughs> is that hilarious? How many of you have ever had somebody say, bless your heart, and you knew they were saying, you're an idiot. Kindness can somehow be perceived, can sometimes be perceived as condescension. Not when it's loving kindness. And what the psalmist knew was the life that he would be given, that quickening, it needed to come from loving kindness. I've had enough hardness from people. My enemies have almost consumed me upon the earth. That's where I am. I'm that empty balloon. I feel worthless. What I need now is life that comes from loving kindness. And can I say something? What we need as believers is we need to practice quickening others through loving kindness. 
See, we know people that are struggling. We know people that, that they've got things going on in their lives, that they've become less faithful to church. It looks like their faith, they're struggling in their faith and it's waning. They don't need judgment from us. They need the quickening of loving kindness. We need to encourage them. Can I show you how that works? Keep your place in Psalm 119. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse 25, or verse uh, uh, 23. You know what? Verse 22 looks good too. Look at Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Then look at verse 24. And let us consider one another to provoke. Now, how many of you have ever said this or thought this? Don't provoke me. Right? Now, you might not say that to your spouse, but you think it often. Do not provoke me. Jacob's roommate, Luke, is a big boy. And Jacob is a pest. And Luke's from North Carolina. And Jacob will be tormenting him. And, and he's a real quiet guy. He never says anything. He'll, he'll have enough. And he'll say, do it again, Jacob. Do it again. What, what's he saying? You do this one more time, I'm going to pound you. I asked Jake, does he ever pound you? He said, yes, he does. Now, when we think of provoking, it's usually provoking to wrath. Right? But look at what the text says. It says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love into good works. What are we doing? We're con- we're, we are... We are uh, Quickening. We're quickening with loving kindness. Verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the the more as you see the day approaching. So in, in this COVID, when churches are not able to gather, I've mentioned, I wouldn't do that again. If the governor said you can't meet, we're going to meet. And those of you that want to come, we're going to meet. Now, if there's a genuine health emergency and if we came together, we'd all die, we wouldn't do that. But that's not what COVID is. Are you all with me on that? And so, why? Because when there's trouble, God's people need to come together. That's when we need each other. We need to provoke one another to good works. We need to assemble together. Why? Because the closer we get to the return of Christ, the worse things are going to get. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. The time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine, but will heed to themselves teachers having itching ears. They're going to be chasing after false doctrine. They're not going to like true doctrine. There's going to be a one-world government. There's going to be a one-world economic system. There's going to be a one-world religious system that hates God's people. That's what's coming. So as we get closer to that, we need to come together more, not less. That's why I was so encouraging to see this good crowd here tonight on a holiday weekend. Praise God. We need to provoke one another. So now go back to Psalm 119. Quicken me after thy loving kindness. Then look at what it says. So shall I keep the testimony of thy mouth. Remember what your testimony is. Now he's talking about keeping the testimony of God's mouth. All the things that God had promised, now David can say, 
That's true about me. Now the psalmist can say, God said they wouldn't consume me off the face of the earth. They haven't. Now I can tell other people. But the only way I can tell other people, the psalmist is saying, is when you quicken me by your loving kindness. If you'll do that, man, I'll tell people about you. If you'll help me, I'll tell people that you helped me. How many of you think maybe we ought to tell people that he's helped us before the trouble comes? See, we need to establish those patterns so that we have the ability to do that when the time comes. Loving kindness, what a wonderful word. If quickened by the Holy Ghost, we shall keep God's testimony by a holy character. Let me read that again. If quickened by the Holy Ghost, we shall keep God's testimony by a holy character. We shall also be faithful to sound doctrine when the Spirit visits us and makes us faithful. None keep the word of the Lord's mouth unless the word of the Lord's mouth quickens them. Now, I want you to notice something. Look at verse 80. Let my heart be sound in thy statutes. Do you see that? Let my heart be sound in thy statutes. Look at verse 88. Quicken me after thy loving kindness, so shall I keep the testimonies of thy mouth. David prayed for a sound heart in the closing verse of the last section. And here he seeks a revived heart. Quicken me. This is going to the root of the matter. By seeking that which is most needful of all things. Lord, let it be heart work with us and let our hearts be right with thee. Amen? Man, when trouble comes and it will come, remember that God is faithful. When trouble comes and it will come, remember to speak the truth of what God has done. Believe him. Believe him. The world will hate you. That's okay. Jesus said they hated me first. How cool would it be to be identified with Jesus Christ? Amen? There was a man named Kilpin. I think it was John Kilpin. And I was reading his, uh, his biography. And he was talking about his grandfather. And his grandfather um, said that someone one time confused him for John Bunyan. You know, John Bunyan went to prison for 12 years because he wouldn't take a license from the state to preach. He got out and went a block away and started preaching. They put him back in prison for two years. He wrote the Pilgrim's Progress. He wrote many other books that were really helpful for believers. And he was confused. He was being mocked. Somebody started throwing things at him because they thought he was John Bunyan. And he went home and his grandson, Kilpin, heard him say this. They said, were you upset? He said, no, what an honor to be confused with that godly man. How about that? How about that? One of Kilpin's converts, he was walking down the street and he was a drunk in the ditch and someone said, Kilpin, hey Kilpin, isn't that one of your converts? And he said, he must be one of my converts. If he was one of the Lord's converts, he wouldn't be there. I want to be like Jesus. I'm not, but I want to be like Jesus. I want to quicken people through loving kindness. I want to fill in the pits. I want to pull people out of those pits. I don't want to hurt, I don't want to hurt people that are hurt. Amen? I, I want people to know about the testimony. I want, I want to be able to say, let me tell you how good God is. When life gets hard, God is good. Hard to do that without the hardness, isn't it? You have to experience the pain to be able to 
comfort people with the comfort wherewith we've been comforted. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I mentioned to Laura when I was getting ready to preach this text, this wasn't a real happy text for a Thanksgiving weekend. But I think it's been good to hear it. Don't you think so? When there's trouble, God's good. God's good. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. Help us to trust you. Lord, our our friends and loved ones that are hurting right now, that are going through trouble, Lord, help us to be that quickening force that we, through your loving kindness, take your loving kindness and we lift up the fallen.